0: Open your Bibles to Psalms 103, Psalms 103. We're going to be looking at the first five verses of this psalm, but we're going to begin by just looking at the first three words, which is the title of the message and also the theme of the message itself. Psalms 103, verse 1, bless the Lord. He goes on to say, O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. This is considered by some preachers to be the greatest psalm of all. And there's good reason for which they make that claim. If you're not familiar with this psalm, I encourage you when you get home to just sit down and read through it, not one time, but three or four times, and just really meditate and think about what it has to say. This is a psalm of pure praise. It does not speak of problems. It does not offer up petitions. It's all about praise from the beginning to the end. Charles Spurgeon said, this is a Bible within itself, and it was too much for a thousand pens to write. I love to read this precious psalm because it's all sunshine and no shadows, no storms, And just reading this puts joy into my heart and a spring into my step. It's an uplifting emotional experience to just meditate upon what is written here. As I read this psalm, I cannot but help and wonder what the circumstances were when it was written. That would be interesting. We know it's a psalm of David, but we don't know at what particular period in his life. We don't know the details and what he was going through or anything like that. But I have no doubt that it expresses what our attitude ought to be regardless of the circumstances. Doesn't make any difference what we're going through. As you just heard from Brother Nolan in that song, regardless of what's going on in our life, God wants to hear us sing. God expects us to praise Him regardless of what else is going on. And so what we see here is what we ought to be thinking every day of our life, a song of praise by one, as you'll see, who has been forgiven, who has been healed, who has been redeemed has been crowned and satisfied. So this is the glowing testimony of one who has experienced God's grace. He's glad and he's grateful about it. There's so much here that we just have time for for just a glimpse. And that's why I want to focus mainly on those first three words, bless the Lord. We look at the whole psalm here in and think about all that could be said and we you know I picture it as a lovely flower and naturally if you go pulling all of the petals off after a while you know you've destroyed the beauty so uh, we don't want to do that we want you to see the whole of the psalm but in order to really appreciate it it's necessary for us to focus on the individual points of the psalm now Notice here when he begins in verse 1, he reveals his desire. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, notice notice whom he is speaking about. He says, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And uh, one preacher called that the blessed occupation. And indeed it is. That's what we all ought to be doing. We we generally start our prayers, or at least somewhere near the very beginning, we launch off into asking something from God. But this begins by asking something for God. We're really good at telling God what we want, aren't we? We want this, and we want that, and we've got our list But we need to think more about what God wants, about the things that would please him. After all, that's according to the pattern that Jesus established there in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, where he says, whenever you pray, pray after this manner, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So at the very beginning, the very heartbeat of what we have to say to God Ought to be in reverence to his holy name. In other words, before we even thank God for his blessings, we ought to thank him for his being. For his being. Just the fact that God is and there is none other. To think about God and his being. So this is is who he is speaking about. But notice who he's speaking to. He says, bless the Lord Oh, my soul. Sometimes it's good to talk to yourself. You ever do that? Probably more than you're willing to admit. The older you get, I think the more you do that. Just I'm going to give myself a good talking to, you know. And, and sometimes we need to do that. Well, that's what he's doing. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. He could have said bless the lord the whole world. He could have said bless the lord all of, all of you Jews that have been so blessed. Bless the lord you Gentiles because God has provided a light through the Jews for for your edification. But no, he says bless the lord, oh my soul. And so he's speaking to himself and we need to remind ourselves of the great responsibility and privilege to praise our God. Notice where he's speaking from. He says, "In all that is within me. That's speaking about wholeness of heart, putting everything he has into it. Heartfelt desire. That's the right attitude. He's not just, you know, going through some some ritual. He's not just... uh, He's not just repeating words that he's heard somewhere else. He's not taking the casual approach that has become so popular today. But rather he says, and all that is within me, notice now what he wanted. He says, bless his holy name. You see, God's name refers to who he is. That is to all of his attributes. So when you talk about the name of God, you have to think about all of God's attributes, his faithfulness and his holiness, which, by the way, is his chief attribute. We oftentimes think about God's love as being the chief attribute, but in reality, it's his holiness. It's the only attribute that is repeated three times, holy, holy, holy. And that speaks of the Lord. Think about that when you think about His glorious name. You think about His faithfulness and His holiness and His love. And you think about the fact that He is omniscient. He's omnipotent. He is an all-powerful, all-wise God. And we just bask in the glory of who God is. And so this is what He wants. Bless His holy name. In other words, it's our duty to know Him. And it's our duty to make Him known also his name is to be exalted in all of the earth so he has revealed his desire but notice in verse two he repeats his desire he starts out the same way bless the lord O my soul now this is not vain reputation it's repeated as was commonly done in those days for emphasis So he's not just, you know, piling one phrase up on top of another because he's thinking about what he's going to say next, but rather he is emphasizing something that is very important to him. And and this is certainly where the greater emphasis ought to be placed. In other words, it ought to be on the top of our list. Bless the Lord. Put that right at the very top of your list. Lists because some things are worth repeating, and that's the main thing. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So he has repeated, he is repeated that which he desired, and then verse 2 notice that he remembers his benefits and forget not all his benefits. Psalms 126 and verse 3 says, The Lord had done great things for us whereof we are glad how could you not be glad in thinking about all that the lord has done and our text here tells us that these things are things that we ought to remember this is a a subject that's totally impossible for us to exhaust i could stay here until i fell over and sometimes I feel like I'm about to do that. And so if I crawl upon the pulpit, you'll know why. But I could just preach till I'm exhausted and I fall over. And Brother Kenneth could come up and he, he, he could take off and preach until he wore out. And, and uh, we could go on all day long and we wouldn't have even touched the hem of the garment. There's just more than our mind can imagine when we think about all of his benefits and so we can't number all of them, but we can think about the nature of all of those benefits. And the Bible is very clear about that. In the first place, they are unlimited. Look back to Psalms Psalms 40 and verse number 5. And here again, we could just pile up one verse after another. Notice verse number 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts, which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Now look in Psalm 68 and verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah. Stop and think about that. Think about that. Stop what you're doing and just think about that, that these benefits of God are unlimited. Oh, we can number uh, a lot of them, things that we think of, but oh, it goes way far beyond that. They're more than we can even begin to imagine and so you might as well try to weigh the mountains or to count all of the stars or measure the drops of water in the seven seas as to try to to count the number of all of the blessings of God they're unlimited but not only that they're unsurpassed you know in other words not only should we think about the quantity the number but also the quality of his blessings because they surpass anything that we can imagine. You think about the quality of all of God's benefits. We're talking about things that the world cannot supply. We're thinking about things that man cannot achieve. Things that cannot be surpassed. And then they're unending. They are, they are eternal. You know, it'd be one thing, and I've often said, even if there wasn't anything more to the Christian life than we live as best we can according to the standards of God's Word, the benefits of doing that would be such that it would be worthwhile living the Christian life if that's all there was to it. No heaven, no hell, nothing else. You die like a dog and go back to the dust. If that's all there was to it, we would still be wise to follow the principles of God's Word. But, but... The benefits of the Christian life goes far beyond that. They go out into eternity, and throughout eternity they're unending, but they're also undeserved. Look in verse 10, Psalms 103 and verse number 10, and he says, "...He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities." Wouldn't it be a terrible thing if God did? I'm talking about even what you've done since you've been saved. Every single Christian has committed enough sin since they've been saved that if God dealt with us according to our sins, according to our iniquities, we'd all be dead. But He hasn't done that, you see. Everything we have is the result of... Of God's grace even if somebody else gives it to you it's God's grace that provides it God just used the means of another person to bring it to you you see so so no one is earning their way with God no one none of us can say well I I I haven't missed attending Sunday school all year boy that used to be a big deal in churches it ought to be a big deal today I ought to be in Sunday school every week. But but even if you could say, I finished my Bible reading plan for the year. I mean, back when I started out as a new Christian, that's one of the first things that they did then. Church had a Bible reading plan. Read through your Bible in a year. Well, I'd read through it two and three, four times a year because once just wasn't enough. And I'd just keep reading and didn't even realize until one day it dawned on me that you know that I'm not getting near as much out of this if I'll just slow down and really study sections of the Bible. What I'm trying to say is, you can do all of these things. You're, you're faithful in your attendance. You're generous in your giving. You're learning the Bible. You're helping in Awana. You're helping in Sunday school. You're doing all of these things. Let me tell you what that what you earn out of that is zilch, zero, nothing. You don't gain. Now I understand. There's a reward for all of that in heaven, but you don't gain anything by way of earning it with God because everything God does is through grace, through grace. It's all by grace. What a great God we have to know that he is the God of all grace. And so he is remembering his benefits, but now I want you to notice in verses 3, 4, and 5, he reveals the blessings. Notice in these verses here, we see that sin's ruin is pictured in different ways. He pictures sin as though it is a destructive force. He speaks about it as a disease. He speaks about it as a debt. But then he speaks also about sin's remedy how that we are pardoned, that we are purified, and that we are purchased. Now take note of each one of these, and here we see the blessed benefits of being a believer, a picture of the believer's beautiful benefits. Start in verse number 3, and the first thing mentioned here is the matter of forgiveness, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. In other words, because of that, we are saved from the penalty of sin. Now, we all deserve to go to hell. None of us deserve anything that we receive. It's all by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But God here says that he is willing to forgive us, and in doing so, he cancels out the debt. Some people got the idea, you know, that just because we are justified, and some define it as, you know, just as if we had never sinned, but the fact of the matter is we have sinned. We have sinned. Justification is for God to treat us as though we had never sinned. He pardons us. He forgives us. What a, what a wonderful benefit. What a beautiful blessing it is to know that I have been forgiven every person here can look back in their life and you can think of something that is so shameful so sinful you don't want anybody else to know about it and God comes along and says I'm going to take care of that there's some sin in your life that you are ashamed of and only by the grace of God that you've not repeated it over and over and over again. There are some sins that have haunted you day and night. You go to bed at night and with a guilty conscience you toss and turn and you just can't sleep. And then the blessed Holy Spirit reminds you that it's all under the blood. It's all been forgiven. There's not one spot, not one stain on your record. The record's clear today. For he washed my sins away. The old account was settled long ago. Thank God for forgiveness. And that's what he's doing. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Why? Well, because I've been forgiven. And then notice verse 3. Who healeth all thy diseases. We're saved from not only from the penalty of sin, but from the puterance of sin. Saved from the puterance, the ugly vileness of our sin. Now understand that sin is a crime against God, but it's also pictured as a disease because it disfigures our character. And it destroys us. And it's only by God's mercy, you know, that He just pictures sin like it's a like it's a disease. But don't ever get the idea that your sin is just a disease and I can't help it. Well, if you couldn't help it, if it was a disease, God wouldn't hold you accountable for it. So when the Bible speaks about sin as a disease, understand that it's speaking about The devastation that sin does, it's not giving you a get-out-of-jail-free card because you've sinned against God. And here he says that he who healeth all of thy diseases. I'm glad that whenever it talks about healing that not only is that true of, of our spiritual problems but even our physical diseases. He said, well, you Baptists, you just don't believe in divine healing. No, 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 you got it wrong. We believe all healing is divine. It might be through some miracle breakthrough medicine that we've discovered. It might be at the hands of a skilled surgeon or whatever. It might be the prayers of God's people for, for someone who is sick. But in the end, there's only one great physician who is able to heal all of our diseases isn't that isn't that a wonderful benefit there's some folks here that God has healed you of cancer and heart disease and other problems and it's a wonderful thing to think wow what a wonderful benefit bless the Lord O oh my soul he healed me and then notice verse 4 we see that not only is there forgiveness and healing but there is redemption who redeemeth thy life from destruction. So here he's telling us that we've been saved from the power of sin because sin is a powerful enemy that enslaves us, but through Christ we're redeemed, we are set free. Mark it down, every Jew understood well the meaning of that word, redeem. They could picture themselves as being in a slave market somewhere, as often was the case, literally. They could not pay their debts and they would literally be sold into slavery. And to think about someone coming along and paying the price to deliver them out of the slave slave market of, 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 of their bondage and to set them free. That's exactly what Jesus has done for each and every Christian. You see, what a wonderful benefit to know that we're redeemed, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Wow, what a what a great savior that we have who has redeemed us, not only delivering us from the penalty of sin but from the very power of sin. You, it would have been a it would have been wonderful if when God saved me, he's would have said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to deliver you from the penalty of sin. I promise you when you die you won't go to hell. I'm going to let you come to heaven. But you're going to have to stay on the bar stools till then. You're going to have to just make it through life the best you can until then. I'm glad the same God that saved me and gave me the promise of heaven The same God had the power to get me out of the honky-tonks and the bar rooms. I'm thankful for the power of God unto salvation, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice he goes on, he's still counting these benefits. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now, here on earth we wear no earthly crown, but we've got something better than that. He said, He crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. You know why? Because we all fail. And we need that loving kindness and tender mercies. I I'm so glad that God doesn't say, Look, you you really let me down this last week. You failed in a big time. I'm through with you. I've given you every chance. I'm done with you. Oh no. I mean, just about that time, mercy comes along and says, I'll take care of that. Amen. God's tender mercies, tender mercies, just as the, as the father welcomed back that prodigal son. Oh, what a wonderful picture that is of God's mercy and God's grace. He didn't make that kid come back and put him on probation. He didn't, when he got back there, he didn't have to say that you're going to have to do 100 push-ups each day to prove to me you're sincere. He didn't say that you're going to have to go out here and earn a certain amount of money, pay me back for all I've ever given you. No, no, no. He said, let's have a party. They killed the fatted calf, amen, put a ring on his finger and a robe on his back, and had a hallelujah hold down. And a wonderful party celebrating him coming back. That's tender mercies. That's yeah. tender mercies. Yeah. And then he says in verse 5. Not only is there forgiveness and healing. Redemption and crowning. But there's satisfaction. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Man. Man. He's constantly searching for something here on this earth that will satisfy. And he never finds it. Well, we just keep searching, but he never finds it. We do all kinds of different things trying to find satisfaction, but we just can't find it. And here he says, he satisfieth thy mouth with good things. Now, notice the result of this. He says, so that thy youth is renewed like the, like the eagle's. The eagle can live many years. Some claim even that they can live as much as a hundred years. Certain, certain eagles can. But every year, every year they get new feathers. And it's like renewing their life. And that's the way they pictured it whenever they were spe- speaking poetically of it back in the ancient times. And, and that's why he says here and he speaks about our youth being renewed like the eagle's. It's a poetic picture of what God does by satisfying us. Aren't you glad that uh, when you look around and you think of the world and you think about all that everybody's doing and trying to find satisfaction and that you've already found it? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You eat of this bread, you'll never get hungry again. I'm the water of life. You drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Well, what is our response to all of this? Well, it's nailed down in Hebrews 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, therefore on the basis of who he is and what he has done, his person and his work, and all of these benefits, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. If there is any one word, now think with me. If there is any one word that that describes what people want, you're probably thinking of something right now. This This is the one big thing I want. But if we had to put everything together in one big pile, there's one word that would describe all of it, and that's the word satisfaction. That's what everybody is looking for. They seek satisfaction in different ways, but regardless of what they've got, regardless of what they do, just like Solomon, it all ends up in disappointment. So let me save you a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, and a lot of heartache. Are you listening? I'm about through, listening carefully. The only source of satisfaction is Jesus Christ. God designed us in such a way that you can't find satisfaction any place else. In other words, it's him or it's nothing. Without him, without him, your life will always be incomplete. Jonathan Edwards said so many years ago, the enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. Boy, he hit the nail on the head. Because of all of the things that the world values, none are of value when it comes to supplying satisfaction that we seek. So without Christ, life is a never-ending search for something that we can never find. But with Christ, it's a never-ending satisfaction of someone we have found because he was looking for us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's where our satisfaction is found. If you're tired of looking and not finding, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and you'll find exactly what you're looking for and your search will be all over. I hope as we approach what we call Thanksgiving Day that all of us will take time to count our blessings and to think about all of the believers' beautiful benefits, all of the blessings that we have as a result of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know, you'd go to heaven if you died. If you're here today and your life is just one big mess of dissatisfaction, you've tried everything you know, and it hasn't worked. Stop trying and trust Jesus. That'll work. Amen. Let's all stand together. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that you are an omniscient God, that you know everything about us. You know there are folks here today that have problems, that have needs. Folks here today that have disappointment in life and are dissatisfied with life and I just pray today that they might through the word of God find Christ as their Lord and Savior that they'll find that well that never runs dry that always satisfies and Lord that they can leave here today with the calm assurance that Lord that you'll meet every need in our life that you'll deal with us perfectly as you've done with all of your people throughout the years of history and Lord that we can depend upon you although you allow and appoint things that we can't understand but we know that you never you never ever make a mistake that in some way or another you take the worst things that happen to us and make the best blessings possible So may we go away rejoicing in your great benefits, thankful for your many blessings. Most of all, Lord, may we just be perfectly pleased with who you are and express that to you in some appropriate way. For we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and as we sing, come to Jesus this morning. Amen.